Today's episode is brought to you by Death Wish, Inc. For 20 years, Death Wish has been the go-to label for emerging punk and hardcore. That continues today with their recent releases from scene staples and promising newcomers such as Modern Life is War, Greet Death, Chastity, Converge, Frail Body, and more. Get 10% off all Death Wish music and merch in their store using the link deathwishinc.com slash the first ever, which automatically applies the discount and filters the site for only items included. Again, that is 10% off all Death Wish releases and merch when you visit deathwishinc.com slash the first ever. Have you checked out those new Greek death songs? Jesus, that band is good. Start there. Welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bohm. If this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. This is episode 80. Holy shit, I can't believe we're at episode 80 already. And my guest this week is Dominic Palermo of the band Nothing. I was uh, very excited to talk to, to, uh, to Nikki. We've, um, we've known each other for a while. But not, uh, but not intimately, shall we say. We didn't know each other uh, super, super well. So this was a really fun uh, conversation to have with him and learn more about his life. And um, yeah, I, I think you'll enjoy it as well. Um, also, I want to let you know that there is a bonus episode available right now where Nikki answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. Uh, it's available on the Patreon. Hit up patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, where you can hear that episode, get bonus radio episodes, Find out who's coming up and uh, join the Discord channel. And for uh, seven or ten bucks, those uh, higher tiers, you can get a gift and uh, you can submit questions to upcoming guests, all sorts of fun stuff. I am currently doing a tour journal on there because my band Touche Amore is on tour right now and we are about to enter Texas. You're hearing this on a Wednesday. Uh, Tomorrow we are going to be in Austin, Texas at the Mohawk and then in Dallas at the at the Dada Club Dada and uh, the following day in Houston at warehouse live um i'm on tour with Vane. i'm on tour with gleamer and i'm on tour with third face this tour is fucking awesome come out um all right uh also i want to shout out my sponsor anchor fish printing hey are you thinking about starting that band label or distro or maybe you already have one well you're gonna need some merch anchor fish printing has been taking care of bands for over 15 years I can say from personal experience, when Touche Amore started, Michael over at Anchorfish was our guy for shirts, hoodies, patches for several years. He always made sure our stuff looked good and it was on time. Check out their Instagram at anchorfish underscore printing right now. And if you place an order, uh, you just mentioned the first ever podcast and you'll receive 10% off. How about that? Hit them up for shirts, hats, stickers, anything you can put ink on and you and your customers will be satisfied. Uh, all right. I think that's it. This is my conversation with Nikki Palermo. What's up, Nikki? It's nice to see you. How are you today? I'm great, Jeremy. 
Thanks for asking. Yeah, that's what are you? So you mentioned you're in, you're in New York. How long have you been in New York? Because I was I just always put you in Philly. Yeah, that's that's intentional. <laughs> we we I like to keep people a little bit hazy on where I am all the time. Now, uh, I've been here for seven years now. Holy shit! So yeah, so really, a lot of people are surprised by that. Um, but I, I frequent Philly. I, you know, I'm there like once every once a week or once every two weeks or something. Yeah, I was gonna say last time I saw you was when we were in Philly and we played with Turnstile and you came out to say what's up. And yeah, yeah. but yeah, so like I just yeah, again, I just assume you're a Philly guy. Um it's funny you mentioned before we started you were like, you know, it might be loud. I'm in I'm in New York and it's funny, uh I've had this thing where anytime I'm talking to someone who's in New York, it's like the sound of New York is honking. The sound mm-hmm. of LA is sirens. So it's yeah. like it, when you when I'm talking to someone from New York, it's like you the pe- the people who are listening probably get this get you know really like a, a, a the two coasts all at once. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 become like a thing uh, here. You know, the past like seven years, like I said, uh, all of all of all of my demos for whatever I'm doing, they all have like a a background track of like an ambiance the buses the buses <laughs> rolling over like the metal in the street and then like you know the there goes one right there uh you know the car honking there, there's like i i live in like a i live in like alphabet city which is it's right next to like the the project's house is right down like right across the street so it's like there's kids and it's like very very like new york uh, very lively. Probably, yeah, probably one of the last places uh, in Manhattan that like you can still kind of get that. I, I mean, I I love it. I it, I've been a city kid my whole life, so like it it feels good hearing that. Like you know, wait when I wake up at eleven, <laughs> like late as fuck, and there's like you know there's <laughs> kids playing and you know the streets. I I I really I really uh, have a thing for that. So. I, that makes me happy to hear that you um there's you, you're still romanticizing that because like new york to me is like the most special place in the entire world i'm on i'm from california to me it was always this like you know you grow up watching ghostbusters and home alone too and like all these movies mm-hmm. and it feels so magical and then like getting to see it even in the winter time and stuff like to me it's just like straight up magic but then i have yeah. so many friends that are from there who are like nah fuck this place and i'm just like oh, yeah it's so special to me i don't know but you so you still feel that way i mean i i don't leave the house very often so it's it's <laughs> yeah i i enjoy it from a distance i guess even though i'm like like smack dab in the middle of it uh yeah but you know um from from it, it almost feels like I'm in an installation sometimes. That's how often I leave the house. So like it, you know, it's like I come out on the balcony and 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 just like get a little bit. But I, I, I it's like a zoo, I guess. It's like I like where <laughs> I'm at to experience it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Walking around and being in, in, entrenched in uh, in in New York is is a whole different story, though. That's when I. Uh, that's when I, I have a different opinion, I think. So right on. Uh, but you're so you're from Philly originally, though, right? Um, or did you live so, anywhere else when you're growing up? Um, no, it's it's Philly from the beginning to New York, pretty much minus a, 
uh, the obvious little time I spent away, um, which was in Jersey. So I guess I was a Jersey resident for two years as well, <laughs> right but on. not by choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, let me ask you this. When you were young, uh, what was the first thing you remember connecting with? Like, what was the first time you felt like you were connecting with music in a way that I guess felt like it was yours as opposed to maybe something that was being played in the house? Um, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. My, my family was, um, it, it was a turbulent, turbulent, uh, childhood, lots of, lots of traumatic things going on. But, uh, the one thing with my family was like, everyone was very musically inclined, which I, I, I feel, you know, it, it kind of enhances the, the, the experiences that I had when I was a kid, because it kind of, it, you know, it's sometimes it felt like a film, even as a kid, you know what I mean? Like the, everything was soundtracked and I can pinpoint like certain experiences by like certain songs, but whether, whether who it came from in my family, it, it was such an eclectic mix, like growing up in my household. Um, when my dad was around, he was really big into like, you know, soul and funk. Um, so there was always a lot of that kind of stuff playing spinners and delights and like Delphonics and stuff like that. Um, but my mom was a beatnik in the sixties. So she was like really into like folk and um, that's, you know, I she, I mean, my mom really set the, my whole agenda for me, um, you know, put me onto, you know, the folk stuff and she was really big into lyrics and stuff. That's how I got into like Cohen and uh, you know, Dylan, Vashti Bunyan, and like a lot of like the folk stuff, Karen Dalton, like stuff that like, you know, I probably shouldn't have been hearing uh, <laughs> as like an eight year old, you know, but I, I, I connected yeah. very uh, early to that kind of stuff and, and lyricism. So it wasn't long before my brother had me listening to the Smiths and, um, you know, Morrissey. And uh, he was also the punk rocker too. So, um, you know, I got a lot of that kind of stuff from him, you know, Misfits, Minor Threat, Fang, stuff like that. And then my sister yeah. was the metalhead. Uh, oh man, you really she, did have every corner. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, my sister, my sister was like the straight, you know, getting ready for school. She was in the bathroom, like open the door, like the smell of Aquanet, like just like hit you in the face. Like <laughs> her, her door opens and it's like fucking Megadeth playing like, like loud as fuck. The door slams. She, she didn't have time to talk to anybody, you know, like it was, <laughs> it was like very, very typical, like eighties kind of thing. But, um, yeah, what's the, the soundtrack, you know, huh? What was the age? What was the age difference? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the baby, so uh, yeah. my sister's seven years older, and my brother's eleven years older than me. So oh, okay, so Got they they I was pretty much getting pulled in a lot of different directions. You know, I, I remember yeah. like the Sunday drives with my dad. Even you know, right before he left, uh, you know, he had this big red Lincoln, and we used to just cruise around Philly in the summer. You know, windows down, kids playing, like you know, and we just had, you know. We had the oldies blasting out of the car. You know, my dad had a, my dad was uh, very kind of, he was kind of, uh, he was a street, street guy. You know what I mean? So yeah. like he, you you can catch the vibe. Like he was one of the OG, like kind of prepares to that stuff, I think. So uh, 
you know, it, it, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a nice thing to have with, with what was going on in that household. It's just like, you know, always having that to kind of grab on, grasp onto. So, so with all of those different sounds coming out of the house, what did you, when it came time for you to like f- forge your path, like what were you, what did you find yourself connecting with um, first? Like, were you like, oh, I think I'm going to go, like if you had to go buy a cassette tape at the record store, wh- where would you have gone and what, what would you have picked up? Well, I mean, it, it's hilarious having all this, all these like really like, uh, really great like music choices in all directions, and I still wind up listening to like terrible shit, anyways. Too um, <laughs> when I could make my own decisions, but yeah, you know, we we had Tower Records on South Street back in the day, and, and a, a thing that my dad used to do uh, would take me down there on the weekends, and I'd pick out a couple singles, like cassettes and stuff. So yeah. like, you know, I, I remember like the first like few things that I bought down there was like. Uh, real Compton, real motherfucking G's by Eazy-E. Uh, nice. o- the Oasis first record, Green Day, like uh, Snoop Dogg. Like it, that's the kind of stuff I was listening to. Basically, whatever was on the box at that time. Uh, I'm I'm really age uh, age aging myself here a little bit, I think. But uh, I just had this conversation with someone on the show recently. I think it was. Uh, sunny hate five six where we were talking where i brought up the box i think it was with him <laughs> where it's like it's it with with doing the show i'm wondering where the box actually existed like across the country because it was in la and it seems like it wasn't on the east coast too but i don't know where else it was but yeah. that thing exposed me to so much mid-90s music yeah absolutely it was it was <laughs> cut school and i would sit at the house and just like we had stolen cable at my house so like it would be it would be like i'd have like five people over my house that we'd we'd cut school and then we'd watch either the box or we'd we'd be watching pornos or something like that something gross <laughs> like that. it's what's what's i remember specifically with the box too is like you it's it kind of did feel like it was like the same probably like 25 videos in rotation so you start to sort of remember the numbers as they would pop in on the yeah. bottom left corner screen be like oh shit someone just ordered coolio here we yeah. go like, i feel like it was fake anyway i feel like they were just running the videos and probably getting paid from the artist to, to wow i i mean now that we thought. know how fucking terrible this music industry is like now it doesn't yeah. take much to think about like i'm sure they were taking calls but also like yeah, you know, like payola shit for sure. Definitely. Why would oh, I didn't even think you know about I mean? that? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, to, I, I was I don't too want to naive. Your child. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do, though. I kind of ruin everything. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm so thankful for it though, because that was like the first place where I saw the corn video for Blind. You know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? Like yeah. that was definitely where I saw that. Which was, oh, you know what? It was, it was on a the form of passion pod podcast that's where i was talking about it because it was in 94 and it was like kurt cobain had died and i thought like music was over for me and i was like Mm -hmm. 11 years old or something and uh then it was like that same year i saw the video for blind and i like had an awakening of like finding aggressive music right after that you know yeah that's awesome i kind of missed the corn i missed the corn thing a little bit I, i i think like by that point i started to 
uh, sink into the punk rock stuff a little bit more. So like it quickly, I quickly for tried to hide everything that I was into to, you know, not seem like a poser, you know, the typical move, like hide all the, hide all the green day and, you know, Oasis stuff and, and, you know, pretend that never existed. Um, For sure. Did you find uh, like a, when you were young, did you find like a, like a local punk scene or were you just like buying like, uh, like crass CDs or something? Um, no, I mean, you know, the Philly, Philly always had like a, a, a big scene. So it wasn't, it wasn't very hard to find. Um, you know, I had a, I had a really small group of friends, like maybe th- there was like three of us, like pretty much that was never very popular. Um, and I was kind of a weirdo. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it when I got, when I got to high school, um, I kind of got thrown into a, you know, a, a, a something that I wasn't really used to before. You know, I I had gotten, I'd gotten moved out of Catholic school. I was in Catholic school in the fourth grade, and I got hit by a car, and we, my mom couldn't afford to keep me there, so I started going to public school around that time. And, um, but it was in my neighborhood. It was like a, it was a, you know, it was like a pretty decent decent elementary school but like you know i didn't i didn't need to have a lot of friends so when i got moved into high school it was like frankfurt high school which is like you know it's in the middle of like north philly it's it's a wild fucking spot like and you know it's like more like my neighborhood so like a lot of the people from my neighborhood that i you know wasn't really attached to anymore were back in my life and stuff so it, it was it was a little bit strange um but you know, there there was a group of kids there that were into like hardcore mainly, and I was more okay. into like oi and punk and stuff. So like, there was a little bit of smelling each other out, you know. And I, you know, I knew who those kids were and stuff. And um, it wasn't it wasn't you know it wasn't before long that we were like you know chatting it up and then hanging out and then next thing you know I had like this like massive group of uh psychopaths that were I was friends <laughs> with and uh I you know I kind of didn't know at that point like uh where this was all going to go um yeah yeah for sure how, let me ask how bad was that car accident was it like in the hospital style or was it what was the oh story? yeah I, I I I got I uh I ran up between, I I used to run around my neighborhood like a little like a little psychopath man like I was like breaking into people's shit like like just like I was like the the worst kid in the neighborhood. Like everybody hated me. Um, you know, my, my dad was gone by that point. My mom was working two jobs, so I was just like out there, like running around, like wilding out. But um, yeah, it, I, I came out in between two cars, and and this lady was going down a one way street the wrong way and blasted oh, no. me. I like apparently like the ambulance driver said I flew f- like twenty feet in the air and like like went a distance of forty feet. Uh, holy shit which is kind of hard to fathom but uh yeah yeah i broke my femur bone clean in half i went uh my left arm and like five ribs then i had like a ton of lacerations on my head and face and shit but um my mom rolled up to me because like my friend ran in the house was like nikki got hit by a car yeah so my mom ran out and she like 
ran down the street where I was at and I was laying on top of my leg like it was bent in the middle of my thigh and it was just underneath me. And my mom just like passed out on the ground, basically. <laughs> the ambulance oh, driver had no. to like slap her in the face to like get her attention and shit. It was pretty crazy. But um, yeah, how bad was that recovery process? Like, were you in the hospital for a while or was it? Yeah, just- like three months. Uh, it was in like yeah. a full on body cast from like the chest down pretty much. Um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a nightmare. But, you know, that was like a big turning point for 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 me, because, you know, at that point, it was like fourth grade. And we were we were my mom was trying to keep me in Catholic school to keep me out of trouble, even though that doesn't seem like to, to work at all. I don't no, know why yeah. that's like a thing, but. Um, but, you know, she 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 had pleaded with the church and stuff, you know, like, you know how that shit goes. It's like all about right. money and stuff. Like she pleaded yeah. with the church, you know, like, you know, the lady didn't have insurance and stuff. And was, it was like, we're going to get, we, uh, you know, they, they want their money regardless. So my mom came home that day and she was just like, God isn't real. Like she's like, don't, she's like, don't believe any of this shit anymore. Like these people don't care about you. It's all about you. You know, you're on your own. We're on our own. Like, um, you know, it was probably a little bit of desperation at that point. Cause it was, it was pretty rough at that point, but like in, in the grand scheme of things, it kind of like set the precedent for like, uh, how I was going to look at the world, like moving forward, you know, it was like the first step in that, in that direction. So, Right. Um, what was your, uh, what was your first concert that you went to? Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, my first real concert, somebody asked me this before, I think it might've been 91. Uh-huh. Um, it was house of pain at the Trocadero. Um, Sick. and rage against the machine opened for them. And it was Fuck. before, before rage released. It was like right before rage released this, the, the first record. Right. So I got to see Rage play like Zach was just like nobody knew who the fuck they were at that point, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they were still playing the truck. So like, I mean, there was people that knew about him, but it was bef- before they were about to break. Um, and I remember like being so scared. My brother had to put me on his shoulders because people were like moshing like crazy. Yeah. Um, and uh I was terrified and Zach was just like on, on stage with no shirt on and jeans with no shoes, just like throwing himself around. I was just like, this is fucking crazy. Like, yeah, that's um, a life changing. I mean, I don't even remember the house of pain set. Uh, and that was like, like a big group of like, I, I, I walked out of there with a house of pain t-shirt, but like not a memory of like their set at all. But I I remember the rage shit because it was terrifying for me. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. And that would have been like 91. That's like the height of House of Pain probably too. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I, I had the House of Pain shirt. It was like a XL and I was a little kid and I would just like roll into school like parents like this long <laughs> shirt that had like a 40 bottle on it and stuff. So like, you know, like little dirt bag, like probably like yeah. red face from fucking drinking juice and shit. Like, you know. <laughs> Cheeto fingers. Cheeto fingers. Disgusting. (laughs) Um, Damn, that's sick. That's a that's a solid first show. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. My brother, my brother really, uh, my brother really set the really he went out of his way more than anybody, I think, to really get me to follow his path, I think, you know. Um, So I I owe him a lot for for where I am or, 
you know, whatever that is. Yeah, for sure. Did he ever play in any bands? He did. Um, he he played in a few bands. He played in a couple punk bands growing up. Um, this band, uh, Uprise, he played with for a little while. It was like an oi band from Philly. Um, they were like real tight with like side by side and stuff like that. They were like real close. Um, then he played in a like a more indie kind of, I hate, Maybe maybe the word shoegaze kind of bothers me at this point, but like it was kind of a it was like an OG like shoegaze band from that time. It was called Sex with Kate, uh, which is a pretty cool band name. Uh, <laughs> and they didn't really do much. I think they released a demo, but like I, I think that was like around that point was like when I was starting to see music equipment around the house and stuff. So yeah, did he play guitar? He did. Yeah. I was going to add, so that was going to be my next question, which was, uh, when did you start playing guitar and like, what was your first guitar? Um, I, I first started playing with his shit when he wasn't home, because if he seen me fucking around with any of his stuff, I would for sure get an ass with him. Yeah. Um, but you know, he had a lot of nice stuff. He was bartending at this point, so he was making some money. You know how that goes. Like he was yeah. in that that time where you want to spend all your money on fucking gear. So he had processors and all this shit. And I, you know, I didn't know anything, but I would go in his room and pick up, he had like a black and white strap. Uh, it was really nice guitar. I remember like that action, like I had tiny hands and I could like, I could actually like bar out like a power cord on it and stuff. And I had a friend at that time who played, like had guitar lessons and he was like learning like, green day and like all the all the like weezer songs from blue album and stuff so he would come over and show me how to play it but we would have to set my brother's room up like exactly like how he had it like some stepbrother <laughs> yeah. shit like like straight up it was it was really like that too like he'd be like you know the guitar was too out of tune or something you know we didn't know how to tune a guitar or anything so we were just yeah like, but um it wasn't long before he was like showing me stuff on that, on that guitar. Like, you know, we, I remember a big thing was misfits. Like that was like a big, uh, I knew a lot of misfit songs first. Um, and I loved playing like fast, hardcore on, cause you know, obviously it's a little bit easier and, and you get a lot more out of it. Um, when, when you're actually playing. So, um, yeah. So from there, uh, I say save some money up so I could get like a pawn shop guitar. And I think it was the first guitar I got was a BC rich warlock Fuck yeah. <laughs> from this so fucking big, from this big Pantera guy or what at that time? No, no, not really. My sister was, but I, yeah. I, I, I didn't really get into the too much heavy music. I loved Metallica and, and, uh, like Injustice for All was in my cassette for like so long. Like my walk yeah. like I, I listened to that back and forth forever. What and drew I, you to the Beastie Rich then? Was it did any I, I think it was just that? a guitar. It was like yeah, it just, was in my price range and like this like shady ass fucking Russian guitar place that's like pawn shop near my house. Like <laughs> it's still there. It's called Sintioli's. It's like the, the the biggest scam artist ever. Like I think they're all Russians. Like uh, they got me for like, I think they got me for like 500 bucks for this thing. And it was like beat to hell, like fucked up. Yeah. But, but it worked. And I, I played it for a couple of years before I, I think I, I smashed it at one point on a, on a, we had a, got a camera and I was like, I'm going to smash my guitar. And I smashed it. 
that was it i think but <laughs> right on did uh so did you start a band around that time or what would like what was the first band you ever started um that was closer to like maybe eighth grade i think we we we, we started a, i i i i wrote some of the music but i i sang in this band it was called the scum and it was nice. a kind of you know we we tried it we were trying to sound like you know subhumans and like uh somewhere between like subhumans and like blank 77 and like casualties. It was like very entry level, like, uh, like that Street entry punk. level, like actual punk scene, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I kind of broke into that first before, like I realized like, Oh yeah, you know, there's, there's even more to this underneath this, you know, but, uh, the first band that we did was very like kind of, uh casualties subhumans kind of stuff it was yeah, probably did you... terrible <laughs> did, sure. uh, did that band play shows no never no we we, okay. we, re- we we rehearsed like a lot and we recorded yeah. some stuff but we never we never played any shows it, the, the 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 band that that turned into this a band called victory strike which was like kind of like uh it was it was kind of it kind of leaned into i think my friend palmer sung in this band and and he uh he brought over a 10 yard fight cd at some point and i was like i was like i think he brought over like 10 yard fight and like one life crew or something just brought it over to my house like some cds and i was like this shit is crazy like this is hard as fuck like yeah. So it was very, it was very shortly after that that I started to like really get into like um, more of like the, I, I guess you could say like the youth crew kind of stuff, uh, you know, like fast hardcore with like punchy breakdowns, like became like a a thing that I really enjoyed, you know, like Judge, Ten Yard Fight, Floor Punch, like shit like that, like it really, it really uh, made sense to me, so. Um, you know, then I started to try to emulate that kind of sound. Uh, right. Was that was that an interesting time too? Because it's like I'm assuming if you're playing in a band that sounds like the Casualties, you were maybe dressing the part a little bit. Yeah, man, definitely. And then, like, and then having like the shit. Now I gotta figure out how to get out of this phase and move into this phase and not look look wild jumping from one style of clothes to the other. Yeah, well, I, I was kind of in a weird place at that point. Like, I was hanging around a lot of older heads, like the, the like Bad Luck Thirteen guys and stuff like that. Um, oh Jesus! <laughs> wow. So yeah, like they were they they we got like they they loved me and they knew I was yeah. like my my brother. You know, they knew my brother and they seen me come around and you know like um they kind of put me under their wing, which for better or for worse it's like (laughs) psychotic but like you know i at that point i was kind of like i always was like a samba's jeans and like a harrington kind of like vibe you know what i mean like that like i kind of really loved like oi music at that time and stuff so um it never really changed i i I looked like a weirdo like wherever i went when i rolled in the frankfurt high school which is like 85 percent black school like I, i you know i was a skinhead and it 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 like, you know, it, it it was a really strange thing to do. You know what I mean? No, nobody really even knew what the fuck that was. They just, even like the hardcore kids were like, 
you know, I, I ran into some of the guys and they were like, you're like, are you a skinhead? I'm like, yeah. They're like, are, are you racist? I'm like, no. Like, you're like, right. okay, cool. <laughs> they're like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that's how it started. Like, well, what kind of bands do you like? Agnostic Front, Warzone? I was like, yeah, I love that shit. You know, they were like, okay, cool. So you could chill with us. You know what I mean? Right, right, but, right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like when we made that switch, I still was kind of into that stuff. So it was, you know. Okay, so you didn't have like trihawks. You didn't. You, you didn't have to like. No, no, okay. I never really dressed that that way. I, I, I kind of, I got, I, I lucked out with that. You lucked uh, out for sure. Yeah, because I, I, I had some friends, and I've seen some people. They, that, that embarrassing point. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I pretty, I, I was pretty safe from that, at least. Um, oh, that's good. That's good. Um. So when did you decide to start singing in a band? Because, you know, the first thing that I know you from, obviously, is like horror show. How big of a mm-hmm. how big of a jump is there between this and then like that band starting? Um, Maybe a, a year or two or something. Um, We're starting to get to like that was like 16, 17. Horror show was like 17 to 18 when, when that started. And um, I guess at that point, uh, you know. I, 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 the American Nightmare demo came out, um, and it, you know, I really connected with that. Um, and then, you know, horror show was already kind of playing, like we were, we were playing horror show stuff and it was like, you know, still had that like 10 yard fight, like vibe, but like it, you know, wasn't as depressive as I would want it, you know, never been straight edge or anything so it was kind of hard to identify with like that kind of music even though i loved it musically like i i, I couldn't really relate to a lot of the things that were, were being said because you know I, I i'd never had that in my life before so right um when american nightmare came out it was like a big deal for me because it was like that style of music it was really aggressive but it was like more about like where i was headspace wise um so you know before long, you know, like, uh, hard. So kind of, we definitely were like really inspired by that, even though it was like probably around the, you know, right around the same time. Um, and then before long, it wasn't till, till I met like Wes and, you know, Gibby from panic. And like, we, we, we really connected, uh, for a while after that because of that. But, um, yeah, that, that's probably the hardest. Today's episode is brought to you by Discovered Magazine. Discovered is an international print counterculture magazine encompassing the best of music, art, skateboarding, and anything with a punk ethos. Listeners get 10% off a yearly subscription using the code FIRSTEVER, spelled out, when you visit store.dscvrd.co. Discovered is definitely the coolest magazine around. They cover so many bands that uh, other publications just don't. And uh, I love them for it. Support Discovered. You won't regret it. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I don't know that like the younger generation kids really know that about American Nightmare and like why that band connected with so many people the way it did. And I think it's exactly what you're saying. Where like, you know, everybody it's easy to love hardcore. Hardcore has all the fun stuff happening in those songs and stuff. But Mm -hmm. um, to find a band that is actually saying something and is being honest, like that changes an entire trajectory on like, 
I'm like yeah. just connecting with it all together. So yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what that's certainly what drew what uh, drew me to them when I first heard them too. Where I was like, oh yeah, it's fast and it's got cool parts. But then like you read the lyrics, you're like, okay, this guy's actually saying something, and that's yeah, rare, yeah. you know. And that was um, that was a pretty important thing for me at that point too, because up until that that up until that point in time with music, like I I had never been really honest with myself either. You know, it was like I was following like a a script and like, like, what am I supposed to write about? You know? And that was the first time where I was like, Oh, you know, like I, I, I can write about what I want to write about. And, and like, you know, I had those thoughts for years because, you know, like what my, what my mom and had, you know, been plugging into my head, you know, and enjoyed reading a lot already at that point. So like, it, it really like, if it, it felt like, it, you know, I felt safer, uh, yeah. being more honest with things and that that's the, as it, as things progressed, I realized, I started to realize the more honest I was with myself, like the better, better things were going to be. So, um, yeah. That's wonderful. Um, this might backtrack just a little bit, but what was the first show that you ended up playing? Oh, um, I think the, the first, well, the, the first, uh, it was a victory strike show, I think. Um, and yeah. we played at this place, Hooker Park and in, in Philly, it's in North Philly. And this would have been around the time I met like Joe Hardcore and, and, and like a lot of those guys like George from Blacklisted and stuff. Um, you know, we would kind of see each other on the subway sometime on the L in Philly. And like, it would be like me and my like two guys and then them and like six guys on the same cart at the <laughs> different ends, like going back, like, they would be getting off in like, you know, Junietta, the Junietta station at Erie Tarsdale, and I'd be getting off at the terminal, Frankfurt Terminal, and we wouldn't say shit to each other. We would just be on there like kind of this like scoping each other, you know? Right, um, right. But but that show was like we Joe booked us for that show, and um, we played and got to meet, like got to hang out with everybody, and we like connected with everybody. We, we actually covered uh, it's my life. Uh, by Madball, uh-huh. twice we did it twice at that show. <laughs> like it was in the park, and like we played it, yeah. and then everyone was like singing along with us and stuff. And then we were like, we played one of our songs. We were like, they were like, someone was like, play it again. So we just played it again. With, like sixteen-year-old kids, it was yeah. pretty crazy. It's like the you know, the, to to like get like a picture of like who was there at that point is like. There was some there was some people there at like a very young age. It was like a definitely like a uh, an important part of Philly history. Like at that point, I think. Were you playing guitar in that band, or were you singing? Just singing. Uh, wow, I, I okay. wrote a, I wrote a lot of the stuff, but I was just I was just singing. I couldn't couldn't do both at all. Okay, so that that was like a like a skill thing where you're like, well, fuck. I think I'd rather sing in this band than play guitar in this band. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I, okay. I wanted to, I, I wanted a, as little work as possible. And like uh, the, the thought of me like playing guitar was stressful enough. Um, yeah. Besides that, the, the thought of playing and singing was just like never on the agenda <laughs> at all. Uh, what, do you have any memories of like what it felt like to sing in front of an audience for the first time? Cause I know it could be kind of a scary feeling or maybe you just embraced it. Um, I, I was, 
I was probably wasted to be honest. Um, we, we were, I remember the tour in that, that time it was like 16, 17. We were like in Frankfurt, especially in that area. Like it was like two for five, like, uh, two for five old Englishes or something like that. And so like, yeah. I, who knows, who knows what I was, what I was feeling. Uh, it's, it's for sure a blur. Um, sure. But it, it was definitely beer muscles for sure, because I'm, I'm typically pretty uh, nervous about like live shit like that. So um, still to this day, even 10 years in with this, like still get real bad butterflies before we play. I'm, Nervous most every night or all the time it, yeah. is it most wow yeah wow yeah yeah like, even like even like three weeks in on the tour like i just i think i have a i think i have imposter syndrome to like the max uh with everything i do um just, i guess at this point if i haven't sorted it out it probably never will but um you know it's, it's something i carry with me forever so yeah i stand by saying i don't trust any musician that doesn't have that yeah like have you ever met any of these motherfuckers that like oh, yeah. just feel like they are the shit i can't hang i i'm me i either. nope nope no me thank you either. it's a yeah. big part why i like you know the, i love what love what like i've created for myself as far as like being able to survive and thrive as like, you know, with music and art and stuff. It's like, it's, I I can't, I can't imagine, you know, a a more, uh, a a more like lush lifestyle than that. Like to be able to do this and, you know, um, and actually be able to, to, to survive. It's, it's, it's a blessing for sure. But, uh, it's just, it's testing, uh, being around people in this industry and stuff for sure. So I, 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 I can't, I don't identify with like musicians at all. Uh, even though that's, I guess that's what I am. I, I don't identify with musicians at all though. I, I, I typically, typically hate them, honestly, <laughs> for the most part, Fair. <laughs> especially um. successful ones. <laughs> It, it it happens, man. You, I mean, you know. No, you, I get it. Yeah, you know, like it. It's just, I'm, I'm very hesitant to like get involved with people anymore. <laughs> that sounds Dude, I, terrible. No, man, I a thousand percent understand. I one thousand percent understand. Um, what was uh? So you mentioned one of the bands <clears throat> recording, but. Was that like home recording or like, I was curious what the first like time you went to a studio was like and what band that was with? Um, well, we went to this place, I think for the victory strike stuff, we went to, um, this place Gradwell house with this guy, Steve Gradwell. Um, uh-huh. he's still recording stuff. He does really good shit, but, um, we did the victory strike stuff there and, uh, I mean, we, it, it, we had no idea what we were doing. Like the, it was, it was obvious too. It was like, we just had some songs and we, we recorded like, uh, Steve was just kind of like, just telling us what to do. We, we made no, you know, we made no effort at like 
mixing or anything like that. We're just like, here's the songs, we'll record them, and then you do you. And right. uh, just plugged in and played, played terribly on it. Um, one of the highlights from that, though, because this place is in like South Jersey, and, and Steve Gradwell's like a, I, he, I guess he's like an indie dude or something like that back at this point, or maybe like an emo guy or something. But uh-huh. we, we wanted to put like a, a, a the one part this is kind of almost embarrassing too. Um, the one part in between a break, we wanted to have like a shotgun click on this part. <laughs> so we, we told him, we were like, yo, we want to like on this break, we want to just have like a shotgun click. And uh, he was like, okay, yeah, we can do that. And my buddy Dean walks in with like his sawed off shotgun and just like walks into the control room. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, yo, like, we can sample that we don't we don't need the real gun like we can pull it in he was he was he still tells that story to this day it was funny like my homie just popped the trunk and like pulled out this little black salt off and brought it into the room it was just like oh here you go that's incredible uh, that's incredible yeah it was it was it was some really uh entry-level studio shit for us though did uh did that recording get like put out on like a CD, a cassette, a seven yeah, inch? Yeah, it, it was a cassette. Um, I think we did like I think it was like we did like two hundred and fifty of them. Like I know people still have them laying around. Okay. Uh, anytime anyone tries to send it to me or anything, I'm just like, <laughs> no, like, I don't. Like, <laughs> I don't like. I don't. I don't like hearing music I recorded yesterday. Like let alone like. Uh, some some shit that I did fucking twenty years ago or something, you know. Sure. So you don't you don't you don't hang on to that stuff. You're not someone who like has your own records and stuff. No, I I hate uh, I hate having anything that I've done. <laughs> like I the the only thing that like I keep is like a I keep test presses um, yeah occasionally just because like. Um, I like to travel light, man. I, I, yeah. I one thing in my life is I, I, I love to be able to like throw most of my shit in a bag or just like be out. If it wasn't for fucking books, um, and now guitar shit, I, I but, um, yeah, I, I typically, as soon as I pump something out, I don't ever want to fucking hear it again. Um, even, even nothing stuff like going back and rehearsing and, learning songs for tour and shit like is infuriating to me (laughs) do you do you have a pretty rough time in the studio with that kind of mindset you know like no is it hard for you to decide whether something is like a good take no 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 i'm I'm pretty level-headed when it comes to that um okay you know i i i I enjoy being in the studio i love creating um shit it's like it's the reason I'm still here uh, is, is my love for creating music and creating art. Um, but once it's done and it's done, I don't, I don't like, you know, obviously there's like that little time period when, when you first uh, finish a record where you like, especially me with like mixing and stuff, like I'm, I'm like a little bit psychotic about it. Uh, my, you asked Will Yip about like my wick, my mix notes. He like he really <laughs> like despises what I do to him during that. Time. Oh no! <laughs> I'm just very detailed. Uh, yeah, a little bit OCD, but um, 
but yeah, once that once that little romantic period is over with with the stuff, and uh, that's it. That's it for me. No more. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that goes with what? podcasts too, <laughs> and and, and interviews. Like as soon as they're done, I don't ever look back at it. Like I just yeah. wish. I, I immediately. No offense, but I miss they We. No, yeah. I'm, I wish they never happened. Uh, half the time but fair enough I'm, yeah i'm terrified to look at them well i keep this shit light uh, you know i think that's like <laughs> one of my selling points whenever i like reach out to somebody i'm like it's light i'm not i'm not like one of these invasive assholes i'm not gonna ask you some awkward question oh, it's I, just, I don't it's anything honestly i'm just like a i'm just a coward in general i think that's all well i appreciate you being so nice and uh and making yourself available yeah, yeah, anything for you, man. Fucking, I do this shit. I, I mean, it, it doesn't even feel like we're doing that right now. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's the that's what I always hope for. You know, that's well, that's like the best case scenario. You're a natural. Oh, that's very sweet of you. I appreciate it. I want to hop into to um, horror show really quick because, um, you know, that was the first band that I that I certainly ever you know was aware of your work and and things like that. I never got to see you because I'm on the west coast. I was actually curious to. Did horror show tour out here ever? No, um, never. We we had a tour. It's, it, it's funny, like it, it, horror show, like managed to get its shit together from a from a you know from a distance. It looked like we like we were doing something, but it was like it was still just so loose and crazy. Um, there goes a siren. I, like, I was I literally just lifted it, lifted an earphone. I was like, is that here or is that there? You got what you no. got one of my sounds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they, they they stay on in this neighborhood. Yeah. Um at that time we had the we didn't even have the horror show uh recording done. Um and I at that point I I was still going up to Boston at you know, like me and me and Wes were and and Gibby were like hanging out and stuff, and um, I'd met like Jake through those guys, Bannon. Um, yeah, and um, I just hit him up and like uh, in an email, and I was just like, "Yo, I'm, I'm, we're we're recording uh, this band Harsh." Actually, the demo was out, but I was like, "I want to put." Wait, what the fuck was it? Oh no, the demo wasn't out because that was the that was the crazy thing about it. Like we, would, I just hit Jake. I was like, "Yo, I'm starting this band called Horror Show. Like, do you are you interested in doing this?" And he was just like, "Yeah," like without hearing anything or anything. He just was like, "Yeah." Nice. So I was like, "Fuck yeah!" I was like, so the pressure was off immediately. So it was just like we just recorded the demo, and then like a couple a couple weeks after that, we recorded the first the uh, seven inch and stuff. And, um i was you know it's funny i i've never i don't own obviously like the demo cassette or anything but last night when i was doing like a little bit of research and like looking around and clicking around on stuff um like i have the two seven inches but what i didn't realize was that like the b side of that first seven inches is, is what is the demo right mm-hmm. i think that's what uh, i saw i think so uh again i it's been it's been, it's been years I, since I even thought of the, the, about what what's on. I never even owned the, those copies because, um, like the second record or anything, because I was I got sent to prison and I never even seen what they looked like or anything. So like, um, 
but the the demo tape prob the, I know the demo tape was on the um that that full length record they did like the the yeah 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 the the discography for sure yeah um yeah I I think when I was looking at the seven inch that yeah like the the B side is the songs from the from what was on the demo and then the A side okay. were like different songs so okay. um yeah i was also impressed that all those songs fit on a seven inch i mean it's just how <laughs> yeah. short those songs were <laughs> yeah i should have stuck to that game plan right yeah those six minute songs are it's, it's dumb one. right yeah it doesn't make any sense oh but the, the, the getting back to the, the the point of the record thing you know jake really took the 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 you know, the, the project out of our hands and like just put it to work where we, we had no idea. And like our first tour that we were supposed to do, we, it was like a, a U.S. tour, but like it was East Coast and West Coast dates with like a couple yeah. shows in between to connect it. Joe Harcourt helped us set it up. Uh, we made it to, we went down to Virginia and we played one show in Richmond, which was like fucking insane. Like we have, we also packed the van with like 12 of us. Like all these like little lunatics from Philly. Like we, we had them all in there. We got down to Philly. I mean, the Richmond, they got in a bunch of fights and stuff. Like it was, it was a nightmare, but then we wound up meeting like some of our friends that are still like, you know, like homies today, you know? Um, And then we drove from Richmond. Like we skipped a show in new Orleans, I think. And we just drove through to try to make it to the show in Arizona to get to California and we got to the show in Arizona and there was, uh, we, we drove right past the, we like pulled up to the venue and like the promoter was just standing outside. We were late as fuck. There was like nobody there. We just like rolled up with the van and like looked at him right in his face and then just kept driving and just drove <laughs> right away from, we never showed back up again. And we just drove to LA and then, um, we didn't play at our LA shows either. We just like hung out and then we just drove the van back. We didn't play like any of the shows. We just kind of took it as like a vacation for a bunch of degenerates, I guess. What if the, what if that promoter was standing outside waiting for you, but inside was like a completely packed out show, just standing around being like, damn, I can't wait to I'm see this. I'm pretty band sure change, that wasn't the case, life. but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that wasn't the case. But if it was like, it, it's, we were, we were, we were projecting in a different way than what, what was, <laughs> What is were you by yourself or us? were you with another band at that point? No, it's just, just, just us. Yeah, it's just us. Yeah. It was the what'd whole Cali- Yeah, what'd you think of California at least while you were hanging out? Was it all it right? It was cool. We just drove around Compton like the whole time in this van and like got out and like took photos and like shit and then just kicked it basically. And then that was it. We, we got back and Joe, Joe like spent like – I'm sure Joe probably did a terrible job booking that tour anyway, but like Joe, like, uh, you know, that was before Joe really had a lot of his connections too. I think like he was friends with some of the Sacramento guys and stuff, but like nobody was really trying to hear what horror show was playing at that, any of those kind of places at that point either. So like it was, it was, we got back and Joe was like, you played one of the shows I set up. That's what's up. We were just like, lol like <laughs> you know because yeah that would have been like mid or early to mid 2000s that would have been like metalcore was sweeping the world and yeah, yeah. and like uh, there's like the whole like tough guy hardcore thing was like really hitting too at that point right like the, like right. The, oh, i remember like shattered realm played 
the West Coast for sure. I'm I'm, I'm wondering if like yeah. the shows he set up were like those same people with hoods and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, probably, yeah, right? yeah. All those guys. As I meant, like all them those guys through Joe and stuff, Mike and yeah, we that wasn't really our that was never like my scene. I totally. uh, I I never really especially when like all that's like all that stuff started happening i kind of just disassociated i at that point i would i had already like around that time when we got back from that tour like i had caught my case so like my my you know my perspective on everything just moved to a different thing completely so like i that shit was just background noise to me everything else you know at that point yeah. so <laughs> What what year was it that you went away? Was it 2002 to 2004? But I caught the case in 2000, so like it, it was like a um, long, it was like a long, like a, you know, all the court proceedings. It was like almost like 18 months of nonsense before I actually, <clears throat> before I actually got sentenced and then had to turn myself in for, for got jail. It. <laughs> Did, uh, so you, if you got out then, um, between the years of when you got out and then when nothing started, were you doing any bands between there? No, no, I, no. Uh, like I said, I, my, I was in like a really distant place at that point. Um, as you can probably fathom, uh, you know, it was a, it was a big change. Um, when I came home, lost a couple of good friends, mm -hmm. uh, like, just like an immediate like tragedy after tragedy kind of thing it was like really stacking up you know coming home was like such a blessing you know uh i, I felt like it was never really going to happen and there's like there's no feeling like walking out of a place like that after like you know voluntarily putting yourself in there to like step up and do the do the thing you know like all i wanted to do was run the whole time you know what i mean yeah. like cut, yeah. even going the the sentencing that day like you know i was my stepdad was like you sure you want to do this like do you, he's like i'll take you anywhere you want to go and you know it's like kind of like 25th hour shit you know um yeah and you, you go in and then you come home and the, and that feeling is just like unreal um but it, it was bittersweet because you know, was coming home to just like, uh, like a, a, a wasteland, you know, like so much shit had changed in like a little time and, uh, people were just dying and it was kind of a mess. So, uh, for the, for the first few years after I came home, I was like, kind of like trajectory in the, in like the, the wrong way, like, uh, started to like wrap myself up with like bad shit instead of, uh, keeping my head straight. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, after, you know, I, I hadn't even hit rock bottom yet, you know, being in prison and, you know, that that's, that's the true case of it. Like that, that was just the start, um, coming home the next like four years after I came home, like, uh, dealing with all that and being on parole and everything. Um, that was like when I really hit rock bottom, I think. Um, so then what was you know, the, what was, what was like the, the motivator though, then to, you know, pick up a guitar and start making music again. Like, did you have a moment that you were like, you know, now it's, I, I think it's time. I feel ready for this. Like I need to express myself. Like what, do you remember what really put you in that, in that path? Um, no, I mean, 
I stayed, I stayed, had a guitar around, you know, like I always had a guitar around and I always played. And then, uh, occasionally like I got, I got a laptop. I was, I was, I, when I, I started working in the bars and I started making a lot of money again. Um, and I was also like doing some other shit too on the side. Uh, so I had, I had like a, I had money, so I bought like a new laptop and shit. And then when I got the laptop, it had like Garage Band on it. So I was like, "Let me try to fuck with this." And started making some demos, um, you know. And then I, I kind of like I would pull demos out like when I was like like hanging out late night with like homies and uh, like drinking and probably doing coke and shit and like just like being annoying pulling out the demos be like what, what do you think of these what do you think of these you know like just punishing <laughs> people with it you know yeah um and then it kind of turned into like people like pushing on me to like to record again um which took a lot for me to like you know the, the demos that i recorded were like nothing we had ever done before they were more like early nothing stuff so it was like uh, the the amount of like um, you know, the lack of confidence that I had in these things was like unreal. Like, um, but like people kept pushing people kept pushing. And then I had a couple of people that wanted to like take the songs and like make them a band, um, that I kind of got ushered into actually recording some demos for nothing. And, um, uh, and here I am now, I guess. It, it sounded like you, it sounded like you had people, looking out for you being like you should like trying to push you to like make music and like really do that which is at least that's what it sounds like is that correct yeah yeah i mean you know everyone that's the thing like we the people that i've been around my whole life like these friends i have like they're they're all a little bit crazy but like you know they 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 care they always care you know what i mean like their, their best interests are always is always in their, in their, in their mind, you know? So like, you know, people seen that I was in a bad place. Um, and it was always, people were always trying to like get me back on, uh, on a track that I should be on. Uh, it, uh, I lost Josh who played guitar for horror show. And that was like my closest friend. And we wrote all the music together. So when he died, it was like, kind of like, uh, the day the music died type shit for me. Um, so it took, it took a, a lot to get me back even remotely in the place that I would, you know, consider recording music, but also like, you know, getting past that wall of, uh, you know, confidence to, to, to believe that I could not only record music again, but like record some kind of shit that I had never really done before that I had no business really recording kind of, um, let alone like singing and all this other shit. Like it was just, the odds were, the odds were like extremely stacked up against me. And, uh, you know, I, I, they, they, they pushed me through to the demos at least. And then, uh, shit started to move on from there, I guess. Right. Well, I mean, I I'm, I can speak for a lot of people and, and say that I'm glad that you did. You know, you've made a lot of records that a, that a lot of people really connect with and love and, and uh, appreciate. So, you know, I, I, I can speak for a lot of people and say I'm glad that you did make that move. Thank you. 
appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it helps like, um, in hindsight, you know, this, this thing has always been like very therapeutic for me. And, and I know that's like kind of cliche to say at this point, but like, um, it, I, I, I hold on to all aspects of this thing now as like a way of like moving forward. Um, it's very much like a train that's on a track that I'm just like holding on to. So like it, it gets a little scary when I think about like stopping. Um, but it, 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 it's always, it's, it's nice to know that like, you know, I, I didn't know how to digest this for a while, but like knowing that like the, the, since horror show, even like we've always had like these like, psychos that like you know and that overanalyze everything i say and, and it really means a lot to them and i always get like these heart i mean you get the, i'm sure you have the same thing because i know touche more is like it like people people survive because of that music and stuff like that um so it, it, i've always had these kind of people that like really like wholeheartedly like sink themselves into our music now and, and like i said i didn't know how to digest that for a while but like getting older, like, you know, you, you see the importance of, of what we do in that kind of regard. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy that like I did do what I did. Cause if it, you know, if it's helping someone who's struggling ever and stuff like that, which, which is beyond me, like that, that's, that is the case that, that right. the, the music that I'm doing is helping you. Like, I, I think that if there's another option, of help, you should look into it. But um, I, I do appreciate, I do appreciate the, <laughs> the, the thought. And, and, you know, I, d I do, do, do continue to thrive on and, and, and move forward because of, because of people like that, because I know it does mean a lot. That's beautiful. That is, that is very beautiful. Um, I was trying to think of when it was and what you were, I think maybe, does it make sense that, you came out to the West Coast and played the smell off the EP before Guilty of Everything. Yeah, I think so. It was because uh... I I DJed that show. Did you? Which is yeah. That was like, the show was... that the power went out. We put the power out. Yes. 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 Yeah, I think where was on that show with us too. It, it was either the Guilty of Everything. It, it was post Guilty of Everything, but maybe that it was? that split. May, okay. Maybe. Uh, we toured off guilty of everything to the West coast. Um, and you know what it was, it was, it, it was. was the guilty of everything tour. Okay. Um, yeah, because we, we were at that on that tour, we were backlining with where, um, and we, we just, we put all of our amps together and we buy amped everything. And then we just like, when one of us would finish that we would just pull guitars and pedal boards and then everybody else would plug back into this wall of, Cause you know, we, rather than us like fighting who was going to be the louder one, we were just like, <laughs> right. let's just team up and yeah. bum everyone, bum everyone out. Um, <laughs> you which, might be the which, first to have blown the power at the smell. Like that's a smell yeah. first. That place has been through everything, but I, I yeah. don't know. If... <laughs> it was awesome. It was like first after the first song too. It was just like, poof. I remember it like oh. made a noise, which I never heard before. Like we've blown out power at like clubs before, but like, it made like a noise, like it was sound like an explosion went off. I was kind of concerned for a second that the building was going to catch on fire, but yeah. Or like that your amps will turn back on ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that happens. Damn, all the time. I forgot that that happened. I, but now that you're saying that, that totally, I do remember that. Um, 
damn that's crazy uh yeah i got hit up like last minute like yo you want to dj this show and i was like fuck yeah i'll, I'll go do Hell that i'll yeah. hang out and play some records i wish we would have wish we would have met then i was super spaced out back then i'm also like getting like insanely fucked up at that point like, like sure barely remember any of that shit half the time yeah no i get it um uh before well i wanted to i mean we can just quickly jump through this um like so you did guilty of everything with uh so a guy named jeff ziegler uh recorded that and um and then like guilty of everything you did with will right or tired of tomorrow sorry that's what that's what i'm gonna say sorry tired of tomorrow you did with will and then dance you did with uh john agnello right Mm -hmm. um i'm just curious from like you know because i love this shit like um with nothing do you approach it like I, we want to you know work with different people to see what they can get out of us or is like is there what is your motivation for like wanting to work with different producers and or uh, engineers and things like that um f- for me personally it's it's there it, it's like it's a it's a it's somewhere in between two things um one you know this is always a learning experience for me um, it has been since day one. It still is now, like, you know, um, even setting this mic up to try to get this shit working with you today. It's like, it's all, it's it. all, yeah, of course it, it was actually pretty easy. Um, but you know, this is all, all a learning experience, like since the beginning, you know, like I, I explained a second ago, like about how, like, uh, you know, I started writing these songs that I had no business writing, um, you know, then we're heading in the studio and I, you know, feel like I have no business being there. And, uh, it, it, but I just try to, uh, I'm an information sucker. Um, which is funny because I, I was terrible at school, but like when I'm working at my own pace, I'm, I'm able to like load my head up and, and, um, you know, working with Jeff Ziegler was, I, I got so much out of him because he was like, you know, he's he's like the master of like, like, you know, ambient sound and like lo-fi stuff. And it's like really what I wanted that record to kind of sound like. And, um, you know, people started throwing money at us for tired of tomorrow. And, uh, I, I, I always wanted to work with Will because his stuff sounded like, uh, so massive and dynamic. And it was like, you know, listening to guilty of everything, like after we recorded it, like I, I wanted to have something that sounded more like hi-fi. Um, and, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a particular, like a huge fan of a lot of the stuff that Will was recording at that time. Um, mainly because I'm just like, a, like I'm just far removed from a lot of like of that stuff. Um, sure. But, but I, 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 I always loved the way that his record sounded. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I really wanted to work with him on that. And then when we worked together, I was like, like I, I developed like a true friend too. And, um, and, and we worked together so, so well, it was, it was really nice. He taught me so much. Uh, and I, it was such a, it was such a crazy time at that point too. It's just like a really awful, like, I can't imagine like what his perspective was on like recording us during that time because like, you know, I was going through like vertigo and I was throwing up in trash cans in between takes. Like I, it was like, 
and we were Damn drinking man. like like it was like the apocalypse like every day he was probably just we stayed in the studio for 30 days with him too like and he just would yeah. come in every morning and we would be like passed out in the in the live room like on the ground with all our clothes on like it was like that type of shit like and then we just get to work again um I'm surprised he ever wanted to fuck with us again after that. We didn't do anything bad, but it was like, it was very, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it was very, um, it sounds like a hard, uh, hard session. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, a, we were, yeah. we, we were, we were basically just like, um, killing ourselves in there. You know what I mean? Like when looking yeah. back on it, but, um, but and then again, after that record, like I was like, what can you, what, what do, what, what could you change from this record? And then, you know, me being, the way I am, I'm like, well, maybe this record seemed a little too perfect for me. And, and, you know, this band is really, ba- uh, this band is like spawned out of imperfections. You know what I mean? That's like the, my true embodiment is like, is, is imperf- imperfections, you know? Um, and I feel like we missed a lot of that on tired, um, because Will's a psychopath, you know what I mean? But like, I, I, I wanted to kind of have a grittier feel for the next record and, and like, you know, Agnello was put on to me. Um, the, the, with, when someone told me, or a guy was managing us at that point, Rennie was, uh, they, he had just recorded some stuff for Katie, uh, Waxahachie. Oh, right. Um, and, uh, he brought it up to me and I was just like, I was like, is this a real thing? Like, can we work with someone like this? You know, cause I, again that everything is new to me every day totally. is new like i don't know what I, if i'm asking for is crazy you know like i don't know anything basically yeah. so it, it's i'm just like john's interested in recording i'm like okay well like then we're doing it like this dude has recorded like every one of my favorite records ever yeah he's done like sonic youth shit like that right yeah dinosaur jr breeders yeah. like like that's just like the '90s stuff, you know. Like totally, the shit that he did through like the the past deck, the past like decade is like phenomenal too. It's just, um, and I mean, working with him, we we also like we booked time in a Dreamland in Woodstock, which was like unreal. Like it's old studio, if you're not familiar, it's just like in it's like right outside of a uh, Woodstock. It's in it's in an old church. There's a guest house. It's like the most baller shit that we ever did for sure. I just yeah. like, and then working with him, that's where they recorded fucking all the dinosaur junior records, like fucking B 52s, like fucking Peter Gabriel did shit there. It was just nice. like fucking, fucking insane. Um, yeah. And then I'm back in that situation again where I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm not really supposed to be here. This is insane. Right. You know, like this is, but you know, we did that record, and then a lot of people weren't really happy with the with the, the overall production of it because people are cowards. Um, but it, it, it still did well. Yeah. It did well, and then um, you know, and I got to work with John. And man, like, not only like how much did I learn from working with John, but like just like another friend develop. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, is like he's like family at this point you know uh we cooked and ate we we like cooked together and ate every night like it was, it was just we drank a lot obviously it's kind of a thing that happens wherever we go but um but yeah then uh 
then that leads us to dismal, I guess, basically. Yeah, just real, real quick. I wanted to comment though, like you know, you talking about reaching out to these people, like not knowing like if what's possible or whatever. I love when bands take those chances and do reach for things that are unexpected or, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I can only speak from my own experience, but like we went through that shit with like the the guy, Brad Wood that did two of our records. Like he did sunny day records. He did coding records. He did, you know, like Veruca salt, a bunch of like smashing pumpkins, like shit. That's like, why would this guy fuck with us? You know? And you just reach out to them and you're just always surprised when people it's, it's like, yo, that's their job. That's what they want to do. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like yeah. these people are just going to be down because they, this is what they do for a living and they're open-minded and that's what's kept them going is being open-minded, you know? For sure. Yeah, either that and they want the bag too. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it, for, for me, like the, the back end of the learning thing, you know, the other aspect of, working with different people is like i've never done anything in my life that i've i've liked unless that was uh uncomfortable sure Um, that helps too i mean i'm the kind of person that like you i can't do shit unless i'm in a corner but when i'm in a corner watch the fuck out you know what i mean and that that's kind of how i've always been and uh like being uncomfortable being in a new place working with somebody new uh it, it always like puts me in a different gear um so uh there's a bit of that too for sure yeah and the newest one you did with uh i I think did i see correctly that that nick bassett actually produced it or is that correct no well will will produced and engineered and mastered the whole thing but um me and nick we we worked together on demos from pre-production so he he did produce for sure. We, I guess, okay. the way they have it listed is like assistant I saw production. Will like, okay, yeah, I saw Will listed as like maybe mixed and mastered or something like that. I, I didn't know if yeah. that was incorrect or whatever. But okay, so you went back to Will's studio though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went, we went to Will's, um, and I, you know, that was during quarantine that we did that, and I, this is the first time that since like the early days that that uh, everything was back on me. Um, you know, with lineup changes and stuff, this is the first record yeah. where it was like, I was doing a hundred percent of everything uh, with the exception of Kyle. Kyle really helped me out a lot. Like he wrote some of the riffs actually. And was always when I'm programming drums over here, like for demos, I, I can't do it with Kyle has to be here. So I would make him come yeah. up and sit with me. And it was during quarantine too. Is I mean, uh, was it? No, it wasn't during quarantine. It was, the year before quarantine happened. Right. Uh, but I was quarantining because I was going through some shit. I, I did, didn't leave the apartment <laughs> for like nine months, pretty much. And I and I re- sure. wrote all the demos for that shit. But um, I wish I would have known that we were going to be quarantining for two years after that. <laughs> because I really <laughs> fucked myself not leaving the yeah. house for a year before. Um, I think, of, think of it as training. You were just training. I honestly know? was. Because when it happened, I was like shit okay i just like kept it moving you know yeah it just shit doesn't phase you at all no no Um, no. but yeah we you know uh basically i was demoing stuff and then i would send stuff back and forth with nick and he really helped mold the 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 demos that i had and we when we went into the studio like like i I, i'm serious like the, the record was like fully realized like 
I had Doyle come out because um, Doyle had joined and he was like, well, what do you want me to do here? Um, and I'm like, just be my second set of ears, you know, like, yeah. Um, anything, anything and everything that you hear, don't, don't be afraid to tell me, just tell me and we'll decide then, you know? So that's what he did. He was almost annoying with it, but it was exactly what I needed. Um, sure. And, and we've got the right one song together on that record from, from the, from the ground up, which was catch a fade, which I, I really love that fucking song. And it makes me excited to see like when we, go over the record again what what me and him could come up with together as like a team but um yeah that's awesome i like that yeah. dude a lot i haven't Jesus seen him in man. yeah i haven't i haven't seen him he in loves you in, in, I, I, oh. he, he really loves you so oh. does bassett too there's they're, they're, they're like i i they like they genuinely like love you oh that's always so nice have to something hear. nice to say about you that's super sweet i really appreciate that thanks for sharing that Um, well shit man I'll hit you with the last question which is when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing that you'd been working so hard towards I'm really curious for this answer from you (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling this isn't going to come easy (laughs) yeah um, am I doing it I don't even know I don't even know if I'm doing it man Um, I'll I'll say this um, you know I'm not not exactly sure that like you know this that this is this is the thing that I'm you know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do at this point. I I I, I somehow feel like the opposite a lot of the time. Has like leading up to this through this whole thing, um, you yeah. know, constantly saying like you know, the imposter syndrome, and the, and then you know, reminding myself like in every scenario, whether it be in like a studio or like on a tour, from in the middle of like Jakarta playing a show to like 400 kids in a sweaty room, like. The, the, the one the, the one statement that always crosses my mind is like you know that I'm that I don't that I'm not supposed to be here you know and I, I say that to a lot of like uh, members of this band like you know with um, but I, I guess the the, the 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 real thing that that I could tie this together is like maybe not realizing this is what I'm supposed to do but like I, I at, at some point during uh, the recording a dismal and like finally being able to see that like I, I can like was got past those walls and was able to, to, to get this record done and like through all the adversity and like leaning up against 10 years of doing this and just like kind of taking a step to look backwards behind me. Um, you know, there was a lot of negativity in my life for a really long time. Um, and, you know, there wasn't any kind of big breakthrough with, with me or anything, but except for um, at some point during this that I started to trust myself to be to be honest. Um, and, that you know, while I might think that this like existence in this world is like, um, you know, ab- absurd and, and filled with just like a ton of bullshit uh, that. That I don't have to fight it with negativity and, you know, that I could, I could be cynical and I could be, you know, pessimistic, but it doesn't need to be negative. And there's, there's two big things at that. And, um, I kind of get the enjoyment now of like fighting with the universe a little bit and like kind of laughing in the universe's face, like knowing that like, it's going to have a harder time affecting me and, 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 and being fully aware that like the, you know, 
that I don't belong where I'm at and I am doing it is, is what I, what, what really gets me through now. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's as best, that's as close as I can get to an answer. That's, that's, that's a, I think that's a wonderful answer. And I think that's, uh, one of the most real answers that, uh, this show has had. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> all right. All right, Nikki, it was great to see you and thanks for hanging out with me. We really, Jeremy, we, we all you, really man. appreciate it. Thank yeah. you so much for having me and, 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 uh, congratulations on almost 80 episodes. You psycho. <laughs> Thank you. And that is our show. Thank you so much to Nikki for hanging out. And thank you for listening. Remember, there's a bonus episode. Hit up patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon to hear that now and get access to all sorts of fun stuff. And don't forget, hit up touchamore.com slash tour for upcoming tour dates. We're, uh, we're about to be in Texas and then we're heading to Florida and then up the East Coast. I hope to see you there. Take care. Bye-bye.